the secret. We hear stuff all the time. Shame on you. What a shame. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. You know, that girl is absolutely shameless. My favorite, for shame, for shame, for shame. It's the Gomer Pyle version. Well, today, our little secret, one of our little secrets, is going to be our secret shame. I want to talk about that today. You know, it's all around us, shame. It's that, it's that little kid who always gets picked last for the sports teams during gym, you know. It's that person that's home by themselves on weekends, Saturday night after Saturday night, wondering, everybody else is out, how come, how come nobody wants to be with me? Shame. You see the old classmate, really successful, and you wonder, what have I done with my life? There's shame. The student that eats in the cafeteria by themselves every day, day after day, and they're alone. And there's shame. Maybe it's a long pattern of deceit, anger, divorce, bankruptcy, leading some sort of double life. Whatever it is, there's all kinds of things that we feel ashamed of. There are so many ways to be ashamed. And you know, shame can be lethal. It can. It can kill you. It can destroy your confidence. It can wither your spirit. It can paralyze your relationships. Shame. Experts say that people who struggle with shame also have a problem with rage. The thing that they're hiding when it gets exposed, the rage comes up. Hmm. It leads to addictions, depression, yeah, and even suicide. It's a tough thing, shame. Well, today I want to talk about what real shame is. See, what's the difference between you know, genuine shame and, and false shame that's so prevalent in our society today? And, and, I, and I want to talk about you know, how we tend to deal with shame as opposed to how God deals with it. Because he deals with it very differently. So let's talk about that. What is shame? What is it? Well, we all know what it feels like. Psalm 38 says this. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. You know, everyone knows that overwhelmed, that burdened feeling. The feeling of, man, I hope nobody finds out. It's a burden. You know, there's, I read about this. There's this tribe in Alaska that they believe that you sort of carry around this backpack with you all the time. And then when you do something wrong that you're ashamed of, you put another rock in that backpack until finally you're, you're bent over and you're carrying this burden, this shame. Well, is that all there is to shame? You know, is God up in heaven saying, you did something wrong, take that. 
carry this around for a while. Is it some kind of punishment when you do something wrong? No, that's not what shame is. The purpose of shame is not just to make you feel bad. You see, you have to think of it when you feel shame like a warning light on a dashboard. There's something wrong that needs to be fixed. So there's, there is such a thing as godly shame. Well, <clears throat> ask yourself if you're driving your car and the warning light comes off, does it do any good to break the light, make sure it doesn't come on again? Well, of course not. Something still needs to be fixed. I remember I hadn't driven our van in a while. We, we, have, a, we have a minivan. And I noticed in the garage there was a drip coming from underneath in the front hood. And, eh, it's just the air conditioner. Eh, I can, I can let that go. I'm just going to ignore that. Well, later on, I was out in the garage and the van wasn't in there, and I see this little spot of oil. How many of you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I look at that and I go, man, something's going to need to be fixed. So you know what I did? Like any red-blooded American, I ignored it. <laughs> well, I ignored it as long as I could. But, you know, if you've, got a, if you've got an oil leak, it can be pretty bad, and it could lead to some serious car trouble. So I'd like to tell you that, you know, I right away got it fixed, but I didn't. I waited probably just as long, and, or if not longer, than I should have. And eventually, it had to be fixed, and I took it to my favorite mechanic. And that's the way we deal with shame sometimes. We ignore the warning light, or we pretend it's not even there. The truth is, if something's wrong, we need to get it fixed. If that red light is going off, we've got to do something about it. Most of us, I mean, you know, particularly me, I can't fix a car. Today... I look under a car, it looks like something from the movie Alien. I, I'm just lost about it. So I can't fix it by myself. I have to take it to a mechanic. But I'll tell you what, even mechanics have to consult the owner's manual, have to get to the instructions. I'm talking about the Bible. And that's what we need to do with our lives. When that warning light goes, goes off, we need to fix it. See, the warning light, the shame saying, look here, look here, look at this. Consult the owner's manual. Spend time with God. You need God to heal this. Warning light. That's what shame is supposed to be. Now before I talk about how we deal with shame as opposed to how God deals with shame, we need to make a, I want to make a very crystal clear distinction that there's two kinds of shame. There's genuine shame and there's false shame. Genuine shame is the kind that God intends for us. It's the real deal. It's when you've actually done something that you really should be ashamed of. You know, and that's a healthy thing. You know, it comes from the fact that we've done something wrong. We've hurt others. We've maybe hurt ourselves. We've hurt the heart of God. You know, and, and that's the truth, and there's, and there's shame in that, and it's a good thing. It's the warning light. It's God telling you something's wrong that needs to be fixed. 
We've all had to deal with real shame, haven't we? We've all done stuff like that. But on the other hand, there's a false shame. And that's the one that's it's tough to deal with because it's, it's not real. But it's important to understand it if we're going to deal with it. That's, false shame is like, oh my goodness, the warning light came on. What if somebody finds out? That's the false shame. You know, a lot of times this false shame stuff, it's, it's not your fault. It's not something that you did wrong. It's somebody has projected some shame on you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. That sort of thing. Look at all those little kids on that ride and you're afraid to go on it, you ought to be ashamed. It's false shame. You could be caught up in the circle of somebody else's sin that's projecting their shame onto you. A parent, a friend. uh, It could be physical. It could be mental. It could be emotionally abuse, but there's definitely false shame that gets projected onto people. Tell you a story. I remember when I was growing up, there was this kid in the neighborhood. I'll call him, I'll call him Jeff. Now, we went to the same school, and he's the, everybody knows a Jeff. Everybody knows somebody like him. He was odd. You know, he didn't wear fashionable clothes. He really didn't have any friends. You know, no one would sit with him, you know, at school. No one wanted to sit next to him in the classroom, you know. His dad used to give him buzz cuts, you know, before they were popular. His dad would give him buzz cuts. He had buck teeth. You know, on the, in, the, in the social cast, he was, he was on the bottom rung. I, you know, I remember that. He was always laughed at and picked on. No one ever came to his defense. No one ever stuck up for him. And, and to cope with it, he would do almost anything for attention. And so people picked up on that and they would dare him to do stuff. And he would do it because somebody was talking to him. And I think about that and that shame he must have felt for no reason. And I never came to his defense because, you know, I didn't want to be an outcast too. I was, I was, I had fear of the false shame that was projected on him. I think about the shame that Jeff must have felt. The same shame that I was afraid to come to his defense about. That's false shame. You know, today as a parent, I think about, you know, what if that was my daughter? You know, and it just tears me up inside that that shame for just no reason at all. Well, I think back now how I acted towards Jeff. And I am ashamed. You know, I never had courage to confront some of the other people or stick up for them. You see, there's two kinds of shame in that story. There's a kind of shame that Jeff carried with him every day. It was false and it was evil. He was a child of God. The lies he believed about himself were just evil. It's false shame. Then there's that other kind of shame. It's the shame that I feel now about how I acted towards him. See, that's real shame. 
That's the real kind. And the problem is we've all dealt with false shame. We all have that stuff. You know, especially, get this, false shame is real popular among churchgoers. So, I imagine there's some false shame in here. Because we all know you can't be real at church. Oh, don't bring that up at church. Not at church. Wait till you get home. Not at church. A lot of false shame. See, in Galatians, Paul writes to people, the church in Galatia, who were struggling with false shame. And so they tried to make things better, you know, simply by doing good things and being good. And he wrote this to them. You began your life in Christ by the Spirit. Now you're trying to make it complete by your own power? That's foolish. This is foolish. But that's how we deal with false shame a lot. We can't really, we don't really feel forgiven by God, so we just try to behave, be good, do good things, make things better under our own power. So how do you tell the difference between true and false shame? How do you know if it's, if it's God speaking or it's somebody just projecting all their trash onto you? Well, give it three tests. Test number one. If you're ashamed about something, is the focus on people or is it on God? The focus. Dr. Paul Tournier, he was, he's called uh, the 20th century's most famous Christian physician, said, you know, false guilt comes from judgments and suggestions of men. When you care about what other folks are saying about you, you know, and you project that and you're ashamed because they're projecting that stuff on you. True shame comes from what God thinks about the situation. See, if you're struggling with false shame, you're probably striving for approval a lot. You know, you become an approval junkie. What other people think really matters. You need other people's approval to kind of feel better about yourself. So you need to ask, is it about people or is it about God? The second thing, is it vague or is it specific? Hmm. If it's kind of vague, kind of foggy feeling of shame, it's it's probably not God. You see, it's more likely the evil one is whispering to you, you know, things like, you're not good enough. These people are better than you. You should be ashamed. But when God wants to tell you something about some area in your life you need to correct, he isn't vague. If, you know, if, it, if it's anything like in your life, it happens in my life, if I'm dealing with something and God's dealing with my life, I can't get away from it. It's everywhere. You know, you'll hear a sermon on the subject. You'll turn on the radio on the, on the way home and there'll be a song about it. You'll watch a sitcom and it'll be on there. That'll be the topic. It's one thing, one thing after another. It's everywhere I turn when God's dealing with me. God does that. So ask yourself, if you're dealing with this sort of thing, is it vague or is it specific? And the third thing is, is it about rules or is it about relationships? Hmm. False shame says, I broke the rules. I did something wrong. Genuine shame says, 
I hurt somebody. Spouse, child, maybe it's the heart of God, but you've hurt someone. That's the difference between the, the two. You see, if rules start becoming more important than relationships, what you have is religion. Okay? We sing this song all the time. You, how many of you remember? There's a, there's a place where religion finally dies. Remember that? That's what we're talking about. Rules, religion. Religion is us trying to reach out to God. Relationship is God reaching out to us. It isn't about being good, obeying the rules. The standard is just too high. Romans chapter 3 says this. God doesn't accept people because they obey the law. No, indeed. All the law does is to point out our sin. So how do we deal with it? How do we, how do we deal with shame? Kind of find it a little bit. So how do we deal with it? There's our way and there's God's way. Let's take a look at our way of handling shame. Back to that dashboard light again. How do you handle it when the light goes on? What do we do? Well, for thousands of years, we've dealt, about it, dealt with it the same way. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. Let's go all the way back to the first man, the first woman, the first sin. And the, and the ways that they dealt with sin are some of the ways that we deal with them today. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they sinned, they fell, they covered themselves with fig leaves. And when God asked them about it, here's what they said. Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit. The woman said, the serpent deceived me. And that's the same three ways that we deal with shame today. Three things there to look at. And the first is, we lose hope. See, we feel bad about it. Something's going on. We feel bad. But we also feel like God doesn't love us anymore. Adam said he was afraid. It's, it, it, it's good to fear the Lord. Don't get me wrong. Fear, it's respect tinged with awe. Fear the Lord. But to believe that God will never forgive you, that's just wrong. That's not true. He's a loving God. Second way we deal with shame sometimes, same, same way Adam and Eve did it, we hide. They hid in the bushes as if God's not going to be able to find them, right? So they hid. It's like, oh, gee, where are they? No, he's God. Remember um, that omnipotent thing? It's kind of like us putting our hand over the light on the dashboard. You know, don't want to deal with it anymore. Pretend it's not there. We try to hide our stuff. Whether it's true shame or false shame, we try to hide it. And the fact of the matter is, it doesn't work. We try to blame people. This is probably the most popular one. You see, Adam blamed his wife. 
hey, the woman you gave me gave me the sample, right? Eve, I didn't do it. Serpent, serpent did it. We do the same thing today. Our response is, when we get busted on something, is like, yeah, but they, or you don't know, they did it. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but. We got our yeah, buts. So Adam and Eve didn't own up to what they did wrong, and frankly, neither do we. But luckily, God has a way of handling shame. It's called grace. And it's something that we lose a lot. Sometimes we forget that God is about grace. God is about forgiveness. Grace is about being given something you don't deserve. That's the definition of grace. 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It sounds simple, but it's, it's, it's kind of a difficult thing to look at. And there's about three things I want to look at here with how God deals with us, handles our shame. It starts with us. We have to take action here. The first thing we have to do is confess our sins. Well, when it comes to sin, we can do one of two things. Cover up or face up. It's the same with both true and false shame. See, when false shame gets uncovered, you realize, well, that's nothing to be ashamed of. When, when true shame gets uncovered, the healing takes place. <laughs> See, the cure is the, is the same. Don't cover up, fess up. You have to confess your sins. Well, how, how do we do that? Well, there's two ways to confess your sins, actually. The first one is you tell God. Well, you might as well tell him because he already knows, right? So why not be honest about it? Psalm 69 says this, God, you know what I have done wrong. I cannot hide my guilt from you. There's nothing more difficult than trying to hide something that can't be hidden. There's nothing more tiring, exhausting, costly. So why try to hide it from God? You can't. Tell him. Be honest with him. See, confessing means more than just a just admitting. It literally means uh, agreeing the same thing that God thinks about it. Saying the same thing that God thinks about it. Thinking the same way that he thinks about it. That's what it means. You're agreeing with God and his view of what you did. So pray. You can talk to God about it. But there's another thing you should do, and this is the hard part. Tell a trusted friend. That's the hard one, isn't it? Sometimes it's really easy to just confess to God. And whether it's true or false shame, it's harder to tell somebody else, isn't it? James 5 says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that God can heal you. It's a good thing to tell somebody else. It's freeing, it's releasing. There's something healing about it telling somebody else, getting it out there. You may have told God a hundred times. 
but no one else. And so maybe you're still struggling with the shame of the sin as well as the sin. The shame keeps coming up over and over again. You see, it's got to be the right person, but when you tell somebody, it shrinks it down to size. You know, you tell somebody, and often they say, you know what, I've struggled with that too. You know, you're not alone. Listen, we're all sinners, and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's this cartoon that I love. I haven't seen it. I tried to find it. I couldn't find it anymore. It's two pigs in a pigsty covered with mud and filth. One pig turns the other and says, who you calling a pig? That's kind of like how I feel about that verse that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat. We're all sinners. Everyone deals with this stuff. We all need God's forgiveness. Do you have somebody you can go to? Do you have a real trusted friend like that? Hmm. Someone who won't judge, someone who for sure won't gossip, repeat it? Maybe you need to be in a home team if you don't. Home teams are the small groups that we have here at Faith Fellowship. I mean, it's just, it's groups of people who call themselves friends where you can go and be real with one another. There's lots of information out the information desk. You see, to experience God's grace, we need to confess our sins to God and one another. And the second thing we need to do is trust God's character. See, many people confess their sins, but they hardly know the God that's forgiving them. Hmm. So they don't really feel the forgiveness that God wants to give them. It's tough. Back to the first John verse. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. That's his character. You can count on God and his faithfulness. Have you ever felt distant from God, kind of unforgiven? It's a trap. You see, the closer you get to God, the more you feel forgiven. But a lot of us, when we don't feel forgiven, we withdraw. It becomes a circle. Hebrews 10 says this. Let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith because we have been made free from a guilty conscience. You see, God's invitation is, come, get close to me. Get close to me. It's okay. When we get close to God, his grace is there. That's where the grace is. It frees you to become the person that God wants you to be when you experience this grace, this forgiveness. Trust me, it doesn't happen through shame. You can trust God. He's faithful. He's just. The third thing we need to do to accept God's grace is to accept God's forgiveness. Let's go back to our first John verse again. And it ends in saying, he will purify us from all unrighteousness. It says there, he will purify us from all unrighteousness. Not just some, not just a little bit. He will purify us from all. It's not like, okay, I'll forgive you a little bit, but I still want you to carry this backpack full of rocks around for a little while. 
That's not what he's talking about. John 3 says this. People who believe in God's son are judged not guilty. God already said, I judge you not guilty. You're not guilty. You're not guilty. If you've never trusted in what Christ has done for you, you can do it. You can do it right here. You can do it right now. We'll, we'll hang around after the, after the service if you want to talk. See, some people just have such struggle accepting God's grace. People think, but you don't know what I've done. How could God ever forgive me? Oh, boy. See, many people believe that they don't deserve God's grace. Well, of course we don't. That's why it's called grace. God's grace. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. But God is a loving God. Does it mean you'll never fall again? Does it mean you'll never again make a mistake? Of course it doesn't mean that. But it does mean you can be forgiven. See, God's grace is limitless. It knows no bounds. Slowly, slowly, when you draw near to God, he will change you. Big fancy word for that called sanctification, becoming more like Christ. See, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a, it's a process. It's a journey that we're all on. You know, it's not like we become a Christian, we arrive, and then we lead our life as the perfect Christian. No, it's a journey. The whole thing is a journey, a process. As we draw near and spend time with God, we become more like him. That's the process. See, there's always going to be another mountain. There's, there's always going to be another uphill battle to climb. But with Christ, we can move mountains. We can make it uphill on that climb. Become more like him. If we confess our sins, trust his character, and accept his forgiveness. This shame thing, it's a difficult topic to deal with, I know. But I want you to know that God loves you. And his forgiveness is there for you. Whether it's real shame, false shame, confess your sins, trust his character, accept his forgiveness. The band is going to come out now. They're going to minister to you in song. I want you to, I want you to just take this song as a gift, like God speaking to you. Some of you may have heard this song on the radio. They're going to come out and minister to you with this song. Then we're going to sing a song together. We're going to dismiss. So pray with me. Lord, I thank you for your grace. Lord, all of us have so much that we deal with. Yes, even shame. Our secrets, the stuff that we hide, Lord, the stuff that we don't want anybody else to see, the stuff that we're hiding now. And Father, we want to turn all that over to you. 
Father, we ask that you would help us on this journey. Some of us feel like there are mountains in front of us. And Father, I just want you to help us, Lord. Make our path straight. Make the road rise up to meet us, Lord, as we journey on this climb. Amen.